Hello everyone and welcome to a new episode of Primius, the down-to-earth Hasidus podcast. Today's shiur is sponsored by Sivan Riz and she did let me say her name, so shkoyach for that. May Hashem give you, Sivan, a lot of bracha in everything you do in your life. Be'ezus Hashem. Um, this parsha, we have something very interesting. There is a sikh of the Rebbe in Likut Esichet Chelik Yud. Um, very short, written in a different, maybe a little in code way, but we're going to try to decode it. It's an incredible concept. And like I say many times, Hasidus is called the hidden Torah, not because it's not available or printed, but because after it gets printed and even after it's available, many of us don't even get the real meaning of it. It's sometimes hard to read in between the lines. So I think this one is truly a pearl, like a diamond in the rough, and we have to try to decode it, interpret uh, its meaning for our life. Basically, we have in this parsha the idea of Yaakov going out of Beersheba, going to Haran. He basically escapes from Eretz Yisrael. Uh, mainly, we understand from the Pshat of the Psukim, he escapes from his brother Esau, that he had planned to kill him because he stole his broches and his bechoiro, and he got really upset and wanted to kill him, and Yaakov has to escape. But the Medrash gives us a different interpretation of why he escaped, and it connects it to the wording to Be'er Sheva. Be'er Sheva means like the seven pits, basically, um, referring to the pizza they always did in there and everything, and it has it carries that name until today. But the Medrash, uh, the Medrash Rabbo, in Bereshit Rabbo, it says, "Dabayetzi Yaakov mi Yaakov mi Be'er Sheva mi Be'era Shavua." Yaakov came out from the pit of the oath. What does that mean? Yaakov Avinu said, continue saying the Medrash. Um, I, I need to run away fast before Abimelech gets on to me and he will tell me to swear to him to make a promise just like my grandfather Abraham did and just like my father uh, reconfirmed his promise and then he's going to ask me to make the same to do the same thing and I will end up getting my children stuck in Golus like delaying the happiness of my children for another seven generations. That's a wondrous madrash. The explanation is that basically Abraham Avinu made a, uh, a covenant type of thing, like, a, like, a, like an arrangement, an accord of peace with Abimelech. I won't hurt you, you won't hurt me. Um, I'll bless you, I'll let you live in my land, but you make sure that this and that, basically setting the boundaries and making sure that we're separated and we're in peace. And then Itzchok reconfirmed that accord with, uh, uh, with Abimelech. And Yaakov saw that Beruchnius, this is what provoked the extension of the time between Abraham's generation and Moshe Rabbeinu's generation, between Abraham and Moshe. Uh, Moshe was the first one to conquer uh, the lands of Sichon and Og, and then Yeshua, one later generation, the one who conquered um, the seven nations and finally conquered Eretz Canaan for the Jews. Seven generations went by from Abraham to Moshe. And then an extra one from Moshe to Yeshua 
So Yaakov said, because of Abraham Avinu's um, oath and arrangement, accord with Abimelech, we got stuck seven generations out of Israel, and because of my father's uh, Itzchok's um, co- um, arrangement, accord, I don't know which word to use, Shvua, to Abimelech, then we got stuck one extra generation. I don't want to get my children stuck again for another extra generation or seven according to the different metaphorism of the, of the Medrash. And therefore, I'm going to run off before he asks me to sign a contract with him. This is a wondrous Medrash because like, like first of all, if Abraham and Yitzchok, if the accord Abraham and Yitzchok signed with Amimelech was wrong, why did they do it? Like what? They didn't see that that could provoke, um, they, 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 didn't, they didn't have the intention to make their children go to the, uh, uh, have their simcha, the lotion in the medrashis, mash he simchas bonai, I don't want to delay the happiness of my children. So why did Abraham and Yitzchok do it? And if it was positive, why was Yaakov so against it? Now, in order to understand this, we need to understand that there are different levels, even between the ovois, even between the forefathers, they're not all the same. Not all ovois are created equal. <laughs> there are, even though they're tzaddikim and they're perfectly uh, connected with the Shem, but there are different ways of perfectly connecting with the Shem. And they represent very different spiritual levels and ideas and ideologies. Now, to understand this, we'll go to a famous Maim Ghazal. A famous quote from the Chachomim about Abraham and Yitzchok that it says, Abraham Yotzom Imenu Ishmael, Yitzchok Yotzom Imenu Esau. Abraham was all amazing and yet one of his sons came out, he went away from him, Yatzam Imenu. He, he came out different than him. Ishmael didn't continue the covenant and the mission and the ideology of Abraham Aminu. He went somewhere else. And the same thing you can say about Yitzchok that Esau did not continue in his path. Now, why is this? So normally we know the famous explanation of Hasidus that because Abraham served Hashem only with Chesed, only in one way. So when you serve Hashem in a very monotonous style, you're saying only A is the, B, the way to serve Hashem and B isn't. So whatever doesn't fit into A will obviously be outside. And when you're saying only B is what serves Hashem, then whatever is not B will stay outside of Avodah Hashem because they were very closed into one type of Avodah. That's why, that's why he gave space to the outcoming Klippa out of that. But we need to go a little deeper into it. In this Yichadah, gives a, a different explanation, perhaps even stronger. And it says like this. Ishmael went out he went away from the Kedusha and the idea of Abraham Avinu and so Esau from Yitzchok's. Why? Because the Kedusha of their, fa- of their fathers, the Kedusha of their parents, did not extend enough to reach their children. This is a huge concept. Uh, I need everyone to pay very close attention. And if I don't manage to explain it well, please look inside the Sicha. It's worth it. The Kedusha of the parents, sometimes it's amazing, but it doesn't reach 
all the way down to the place where the children are. And why is this? In order to understand this, we need to look at, says the Rebbe, the general attitude towards life, towards the world in general, of Avram and Yitzchok. So of course, Avram and also Yitzchok dedicated to bring light to the world, to refine the world and to reveal godliness in, in, in the Gospels of the Oilam. But they did it more in a way of Shlilo. Shlilo means negation or neglecting. In other words, they looked at the world, they saw that the world has impurity, dirtiness, injustice, injustice, corruption, any, everything we could also find when we look a little bit around. And what they did to it is just like in math, you know, like uh, when you have two minus, 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 plus, like when you have two minus, it becomes a plus. So the way to add Kedusha is to say no to the negativity of the world. So you say no to the no and you get a positive. In other words, you just make sure that the negativity and the gashmius and the, the bad and the corruption of, of the world doesn't bother you, doesn't stop you, doesn't prevent you from serving Hashem in the right way. You make sure that they don't bother you. And that's basically what they did with Abimelech. Abimelech was a, a, a clipedic, a powerful person, and they didn't, they didn't want him to bother them with their mission. They have a mission. Their mission is to reveal the locus in the world, and to do the right thing, to do mitzvahs, to, to go around and give their message and pass their idea. They had a mission in life. And they just need to make sure that Abimelech doesn't bother me because otherwise I can't do it. So what did they do? They signed an accord with, with Abimelech. They made an oath. They made an arrangement, an agreement. They made an agreement with Abimelech that we respect each other's boundaries. Let me do my anefesh, uh, 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 whatever, what's it called? I'll take the nefesh, you take the assets or whatever, in this case, I don't know, Abimelech gave Abraham Avinu. But the idea is that you stay in your place, I stay in mine. We'll respect each other, we'll be in peace. You promise not to bother, I won't bother you either. And that's actually a Milo. That's a positive thing. Because you make sure that it doesn't bother you. I always tell my kids, stop, like a side comment, but I think it, it, it um, applies to the same idea same idea applies to it, um, that they should be very thankful that they're growing up in, in a city like Tzfas and in a Haredi school, whatever, like, because you know what it means? It means that you don't have social pressure to have a cell phone. You don't have social pressure to have TikTok or Instagram or Facebook or all those social medias that literally in order to make money for some smart people who know how to program algorithms and become rich, by stealing the brains of little people who can control themselves. Like basically you're ensuring that you can have a life. You can actually go out and play, play in the, in the ground. And I see them riding their bike and scratching their knees and, and fighting with friends. And that's amazing because they're experiencing childhood as opposed to many poor kids who grow up in a more developed place or more whatever technological. And they're so into the clippers of social media 
that they don't even have their own identity. They don't even have the freedom to play, to be. Forget about from on a from. To just be a normal kid who plays outside with friends instead of like being uh, addicted to a screen that literally takes away and, and puts your mind to sleep. So putting a minus to the minus, like canceling the thing that tries to cancel you, it's a pretty good strategy. It could help you sustain the purity of your message or your idea, your goals, your derech, and it actually works. And that's why they signed the accord, the, the arrangement, the shvuo with Avimelech, to make sure that Avimelech stays there and I stay here. But for Yaakov, for Yaakov that wasn't enough. Yaakov had another, another mind, another perspective, another shlichus from the Eivishter. Yaakov had to go all the way down to Choron. Yaakov rolled up his leaves and he got into a very deep, dirty mud of the business world with a very wicked businessman, corrupted businessman who knows how to trick, to trick you and take advantage, etc. And he dealt with it, honestly, for a long time and in a very, like, basically went down to the guardians of the world to deal with it. Why? because he wanted to change it. He wanted to have to do with the belt and transform it. Not to leave the dirtiness in its place, and I'm in my place, and so we can both live in peace. Uh-uh-uh. I'm gonna get involved with you, Mr. Dirtiness, and I'm gonna clean you up, and I'm gonna change you, and I'm gonna transform you. That's why Abraham and Yitzchok are compared to Tzadikim, and Yaakov is compared to Abal Tshuva, says the Rebbe. Because the Abedo Fambal Chu is transforming the negative into positive. Either the negative of his actions, if he's a Chuve of an Averio Kipshutoi, he did something wrong, now he wants to fix it so he does, he does something right. Or fixing your intentions, that you wanted to do something wrong and you fix it by not doing it, so you're a Chuve Bemachshova, so to speak. Or even higher than that, not that you have the intention to do something wrong. There is something wrong in the world, not that you did it, but there are things which are wrong. And, and a tzaddik is the one that doesn't have anything to do with all that uh, negativity of the world. And a balchuba is the one that rolls up his sleeves and he does have to do with it, either because he actually did it or because he thought of it or because he's willing to go and fix it, like Yaakov. But we have to do with the reality. We get involved with it and we go and try to clean it. It's similar to what it says in Tanya, in Tanya Pedegyud, it says the difference between a Tzadik Gomor and a Tzadik She'enoi Gomor. And surprisingly, it says that a Tzadik Gomor is the one that turns around his Yetzirah completely to love Hashem. And a Tzadik She'enoi Gomor is the one that only took away his Yetzirah, but didn't transform it. Wait. If you take away your Yetzirah completely, which means you have no Yetzirah whatsoever, are you an incomplete tzaddik? Why? What part is incomplete? Well, if you didn't, com if you didn't transform it, it's still somehow and somewhere there. As long as the enemy doesn't become a friend, there is still an enemy. Even if you shot him, there is a dead enemy. But at some point, it will come back and haunt you. In other, in other words, it's like the example that was a, once a Polish Rebbe was asked, what's the difference between the Derech HaChasidus, the way of Hasidus, 
and, and the other regular way of being an Orthodox Jew. And he said the difference is that a burglar comes into your house to steal. According to the Delcha Musar, you're like taking a stick and shouting and running after him with a knife or with a stick, scare him off, and the guy runs off and doesn't steal. And according to Delcha Hasidus, you grab him, you tie him, and you brainwash him to stop stealing. You talk to him forever until you convince him and you make him Ois Ganev, he stops being a Ganev. What's the difference between the first and the second? Okay, first difference is that in the first case, it's a short way and the other one is longer. It's a much longer process. But the main difference is that in the short solution, tomorrow he will try to steal again. As soon as anything changes, he will come and attack again. Mashenken, according to the second solution, he will not steal because he's always, he's not a stealer anymore. He's a friend. He will come to your house with his family to hang out and to eat together. He's a friend now. He's not a Ghanim anymore. And that's what Yaakov tries to do with the world. That's what Abal Chuba tries to do with his Yitzhahara. That's what a real Tzadik Gomur is all about. In other words, if you make sure it doesn't bother you, you're also making sure that it never changes. If you keep the bad away from you, you're not taking responsibility over it. And you're not daring to change it for Hashem. And that's exactly the whole point of what Yaakov went to do. What does it say in the beginning of the Parsha? When Yaakov comes out, he goes to the place, he finds a place, he falls asleep, he, he takes stones from the place, he puts them around his head to protect his head. He falls asleep, and when he wakes up, he dreams with Hashem and with the Malochim, and then Hashem told him, I'll go with you, I'll protect you, I'll bless you. And he woke up and he made a, a Mizbeach, he turned the stone, now it's one stone, into, a, into a, an altar for Hashem. And he said, this will be the house of Hashem, etc. The Altarebbe in Teiroel explains what's this thing with the stones, that then when he wakes up, there one stone. What is that famous medrash that says that all the stones became one? What is it trying to, to, to teach us to imply? So it's a long Kabbalistic concept, but I think it's worth it to at least summarize it here. It's very shaykh to the Nekudah that we're learning here in the Sikha. Now basically, the whole world is made by Hashem by words. Hashem speaks the world into existence. Hashem speaks to create. He says, And God said, and God said. Obviously, that's a metaphor. But why the Torah chooses that metaphor? Because the world is made by little sparks of energy. And each one of these sparks of energy is compared to a letter. And those letters, it says in Kabbalah, in Sefer Yetzirah, are compared to stones. It says in Sefer Yetzirah, two stones can build two houses. Three stones can build six houses. Four stones can build 24 houses, five stones, 120 houses. How does it work? Each stone is a letter. Just like stones build houses, then build buildings, neighborhoods, cities, countries. Same way with letters we build. With letters we make words, with words we make sentences, and then paragraphs and then books. We make stories full of life and emotion and intellectual ideas and concepts, and all of that is transmitted by letters. It's just like a house. A house is just a bunch of stones that each stone by itself is worthless, 
And yet when you connect them, they allow for a life of a family to happen in there. New life is born there. Excitement, emotions, ideas, all of that happens inside of the stones if they're arranged properly. How do you do that? By connecting them. In other words, each one of us and each creation, each creature, every tree, every plant, every animal, every planet, every star, every cup, every book, everything in this world, is just one stone. And perhaps by itself, not so important. You could even think of it as worthless. And yet, that's because you're just looking at the Chitzoinus. But deep inside, all of those stones connect into one, into oneness, the oneness of Hashem. The glue that puts us all together is the light of Hashem that creates us all and it's the spark that's inside of each one of them. Just like the letters again. If you take the Aleph by itself, it doesn't say much. If you take the base by itself, it doesn't say much. But if you read them together, Av is the father. A father is a huge word. It has a whole lot of meaning. You can write a hundred books on psychology just based on that one word, right? And yet, if you separate the letters, they're, they're meaningless. And that's why, says Yaakov, you look at the world as a meaningless place. You look at the world as negativity. You look at the world as corruption and sick and dirty and whatever and gashmi and whatever. All of that, it's because you're looking at it at separate stones. And it's true, in its current state, that's what it is. But that's only because you're looking at the outside. And that's why you need to sign an agreement Sign an agreement to make sure that it doesn't bother you and you don't bother it. Because it's, it's an enemy, apparently. But if you dare to unite all the rocks, you'll see that the separate rocks are nothing but basically Kim. They're the house for Hashem. They're the place where Hashem can dwell. Wait, who was right? <laughs> Both, of course. Abraham and Yitzchok were right in the short term. In the short term, you, and by the way, the short term is not a different way of thinking. They go together short term. You need to plan your life short term and long term. Which means short term, you're right. You do need to fence off the, the, the negative effect of the clipper. But if what you want is a long term and long lasting and all encompassing, because that's the main difference between Abraham, Yitzchok and Yaakov. Abraham and Yitzchok had one good song, one bad song. And, 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 and Yaakov, it says, Mitoso Ishleimo, his bed, his descendants, his toldois are complete. When can you make sure that your Kedusha reaches all of your children? When your Kedusha is not limited to one specific area of expression. When you're willing to go all the way down to Choron, when you're willing to turn the past of the Balchuba into and the 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 the, the Averis into mitzvahs. When you're willing to turn the darkness of the world and the separation of the of all those entities that believe themselves to be an self-efficient and separated from Hashem entity, when you manage to put them all together, that's when mitoso ishlemo. That's when your descendants can be complete. In other words, when Abraham and Yitzchak did, it was a mile. But they didn't realize that by doing that, you're delaying the happiness of your children. You're delaying the message of Hashem from reaching your children, all of your children. You're delaying the Geula by not daring to get the whole world under this 
idea. When you're leaving part of the mentality outside of your ideology, when you're leaving part of the questions out of the area that you deal with, when you're leaving part of the of the taivas, of the etzaharas, or part of the negativity, or the part of the culture that apparently goes against Toedo, outside of the equation, you're just making sure that that some part of the world and perhaps some of your kids will stay outside of the covenant with Hashem too. So what they did was right for the time and for the short term. But from the perspective of Yaakov, his mission was to make sure that Mitosu Shleimo, this wasn't enough. It wasn't enough because just leaving the clip alone and let it stay within its current structure, just in exchange of it paying you some dividends, just making sure that it pays you enough respect for you to sustain your little shtivel, your little uh, island of Kedusha within a sea of Klippa in the world. As long as you let my little island survive, I'll be fine with it. Fine, that's a short-term solution. That's what they did with Yavne. That's, it does exist in history. Abraham and Yitzchok did it. But that's a short-term solution. Yaakov couldn't let Abimelech stay Abimelech and sign a contract to him in his current situation. He chose the long way. Yaakov chose the long path of, ref of refining. Yaakov will not agree with the world that was, is, and will be corrupted. You will not fix the world, sweetie. Life is not fair. Deal with it. You know what? Just that's how it is. Accept it. All those voices say and just sign a contract they will always be there just make sure they don't bother you too much comes Yaakov Avinu and says uh 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 we the children of Yaakov the Bnei Israel, we're choosing a different path we're going the eternal path like they say in Hebrew Amanetzach like the eternal people is not afraid of long processes of long term process and that's what Yaakov chose we're not going to accept the world as it is, the world as it is, and just ask it to sign some contract with us to not bother us too much. No, we're going to go into it and we're going to change it from within the inside. We're going to switch it entirely. I'm going to go into Abimelech. I'm going to escape first. I'm going to put together my, my ideology, but then I'm going into the world for thousands and thousands and thousands. It's been 4,000 years since then. But we're in the long term of turning around the darkness into light. Not just staying with my tiny spark in a corner and asking the darkness to just sign a contract that it won't bother me too much. That could work for the long term. For the, sorry, that could work for the short term. But it's delaying the happiness of your children. It's delaying the geula, and that is delaying making sure that the message of Yaakov in Israel gets to every single Jewish kid. If you want to make sure that everyone gets it, and you want to make sure that every part of the world becomes a Diro Betachtoinim, you need to go the Yaakov way. You need to abandon the accord, the accord with Abimelech, and instead go in an all-out battle to refine him, even if it takes thousands of years. That's today's concept. Thank you very much for listening, for being there, for making this podcast possible. And as a shame, we'll hear each other next week. Thank you.